I didn't realize my mic was already on. I'm glad I didn't say anything bad. Um, man, anybody love Christmas? Anybody have a great Christmas this year? Man, I did. It was, it was so neat. Um, this year was the first time since I can really remember. Um, I, well, I have before, but it's the first time in a long time, I guess, waking up Christmas morning in my own bed. Like, we always travel. My family's in Oklahoma. Kristen's family's in Joplin. And we're just always waking up Christmas morning in someone else's house, typically. And it was really neat for us to wake up at our home in our beds. And, like, we had to go and wake our kids up. And, like, we were excited and, like, opened, like, it was like a shred, like a tornado went through our house with the wrapping paper and all that kind of stuff. There's some weird Christmas traditions around. I know everybody has their own kind of thing, but, like, I just don't understand eggnog. I don't get it. Like, who, who, was, who was, like, eating an omelet and sat there and thought, man, this thing would taste great if it was in liquid form? Like, I don't know. I don't get that. I don't understand it. But glad you're here today. I hope you all had a great Christmas. Like I said a minute ago, Pastor Dennis um, is, is out. Him and his family are, are on a, kind of a short vacation. Pastor Nick as well. And... Um, uh, hopefully today we're going to get you out of here early, and uh, can I get an amen? And uh, Chiefs game is going to be great today. We're going to win, right? Okay, a, f- a few Chiefs fans. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, if you brought your Bibles today, uh, go ahead and open up them up to the book of Luke 7. Um, but if you didn't bring them today, you can just follow the big Bible on the screen and we'll, we'll tell you what's going on there as well. <clears throat> I'll give you a minute. Um, but man, I'm excited to preach to you guys this morning. Um, I, I just think I, I've, I, I just w- want to share an, just an encouraging word with you guys today, uh, just to, to lift you up and encourage you. And, and always, typically, when I preach, um, it's all about Jesus. And because that's that's the main thing, you know, obviously we have other things weaved in here and there, but the main thing is the main thing, and that's Jesus. It's always, always about Jesus. And so um, Luke 7, um, starting in verse 11, it says, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him, and he approached the town gate, and a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her, and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. And then he went up, and he touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up, and he began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. I bet he was saying, man, it was dark in there, but I don't know. Um, but anyway, he gave him back to his mother, and they were all filled with awe and praise God. And they said, a great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I grew up in, in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. Um, I, was, I was born in the house 
next door to our church. Like I was born in my parents' bedroom, which that may be weird to some of you guys, but that may be completely normal to some of you guys. Um, I don't know. But I was born in the house right next to our church. And like the very next day I was in church and like I was raised in church. I've always been around church and, and I love church and I love what God does through church. Um, but in our home growing up, um, obviously we weren't allowed to cuss. Right, obviously. Right, obviously. Um, and so what we would do, and I don't know if you guys do this as well, but what we would do, we would make up these Christian cuss words. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but um, these aren't real cuss words to the world, but because we're Christians, we create our own words, right? And, and for instance, um, I, I even... I'm going to say this this morning, and I feel bad for saying this already. I feel bad for saying this this morning, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example of one of our Christian cuss words. Like, maybe we could edit this out of the podcast or whatever. We weren't allowed to say, we couldn't say fart. Can I say that in church? I just did. So we couldn't say that in our home. We couldn't say that growing up. And so we, we thought of the next best thing. If we couldn't say that word, then we would call each other brown beans. Because beans do what? Right, yeah, 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 you know what happens. They make you do things. And so we, we, would, we would call each other other names. Like we would say, you toilet bowl. Because we weren't allowed to call each other what goes in the toilet bowl, you know? And so we were, I'm sorry today, but we were very creative with our Christian cussing. And, and also in my house, we couldn't say the word, shut up. I don't know if that was like for any of you guys as well, but we couldn't say, shut up. We couldn't tell each other, shut up. And, and it, it, you, like, you were really like, you were deemed a sinner and like you were in trouble if you were like, shut up. And like, I don't know why, but the problem I had when, when I was real young, and unfortunately a couple of my kids have this as well, but had this little bit of a speech impediment. We, we would, we would uh, had this a little bit of a lisp. And I can say my S's now. Um, but... But, or, or sometimes your S's would come out as F, F and, and the F sound. So instead of saying shut up, I would say you fut up. You fut your mouth. And, and I'm like, you're a thinner. Instead of saying you're a sinner. And so one day there was this bully on my block growing up, and her name was Becky. And like she was... <laughs> Like, she was big and bad, and she was ugly, and she was mean, and she was cussing all the time and always telling us to shut up. And, and so one day, my brother and I, um, we got these, I don't even know who or why someone gave these to us. I'm sure my parents were mad about it. But someone gave us these baby chicks, these baby chickens. And, you know, they're still fuzzy. They're so baby. And so... Um, we started, we, we had these things and we started playing one day and forgot all about these chicks. Well, Becky took these chicks and she put them inside of my dad's toolbox. And did I mention it was like 100 degrees in the middle of the summer? Locked them in the toolbox. We forgot about the chickens all day long. And finally, we remembered that evening and my brother went out to find dead chickens in my dad's toolbox. So we run in the house crying and we're mad and we're like, 
dead. Becky killed our chickens. She killed our chickens. Yeah, our chickens. And so she put them in the box and she killed our chickens. And I was so mad about it. And like, and to make it worse, she told us to fud up too. And like, and so, <coughs> excuse me. One day, my, my dad and I, we were, we were going through the bank, through the drive-thru. And, and, and I, banks still do this. Um, the lady behind the glass wall, she, she, you know, did the transaction or whatever. Um, and, and banks, they give out suckers. And so I was in the car with my dad and, and with my speech impediment, um, I'm sitting in the car. Yeah. Say lollipop. Thanks. So I'm sitting in the car, the lady in the glass behind the glass window, she comes through the intercom, sir, would your son like a sucker? And I reply back with everything that I have. I want to and my speech impediment kicks in and, and you should have seen the look on my dad's face, like the preacher man, like you should have seen the look on his face. He's like, you shut up. And I'm like, dad, you can't pay foot up. You can't do that. Dad, I want a, and I kept saying it like, I want this dad. And it's like, as he was peeling out of the dry, the, the, the dry, he was like, no, we don't want a sucker yelling and rolling up the window. And like, it was cranking the windows. You know what I'm talking about? Like we didn't have a nice car with the button. He was cranking that thing. I'd never seen his arm move so fast. And so, um, I don't know if you, you've ever found yourself getting tongue tied or, or saying your words wrong or messing something up. Um, but it's amazing. And in life, you can't make the proper requests. Uh, if you can't make the proper requests, then you won't get whatever it is that you're looking for. And, and I believe that faith should be heard. Our faith should be heard even sometimes before you see it. Before you see something, you have to say it. And some of you are here today and you, maybe you're in this impossible situation in your life and you just keep speaking impossibility. And you're like, I'm never going to get that job. I'll never get that grade. I'll never get, I'll never be good enough. You just keep speaking impossibility over your life. But what you need to do is start speaking victory over your life, even though it seems impossible. Um, the thing I want you to discover about Jesus is that Jesus, more than anyone in your life, he'll show up. He'll show up, even when you don't say the right words. That's good news, amen? amen. He'll show up. And I, and I love in Luke 7, Jesus, he's headed to this town called Nain. And by definition, definition Nain means a pasture. It means a pasture. But if you dig deeper and you look further into the definition, you'll find two words also in the name Nain, and the words are beautiful and afflicted. And so many of us, we walk into this place like we, we have everything together. By the way, you guys like all look great today. You do. You look so good. But a lot of times we walk into the place like we've got everything together. We look so good. Like all the buttons are on my shirt and I buttoned it right actually today. And like I didn't forget to tie my shoes. Like I brushed my teeth today. Like we walk in like we've got it all together and we got a smile on their face. We're dressed up. We're looking good. And and 
never mind what happened in the car ride on the way here. You know, you shut up. Yeah, you can't say that. No, but, but, but if people could really see us on the inside, a lot of times, they, for a lot of us, they would see that we're really afflicted. They would really see that we're really being attacked. They'd really see that there's a lot going on. And the Bible says that you and I were made in the image of God. And Ephesians says that you and I, we are God's workmanship. We're God's masterpiece. But because of sin, all of us have fallen short of God's glory. And although there's this this God-like status on the inside of us, but because we've chosen our own path, we're fallen and we're beautifully afflicted. And the Bible says that Jesus, he's entering Nain, and as he's entering another crowd is exiting the city. And, and so try to, try to picture this with me. Try to imagine <clears throat> excuse me, what the crowd following Jesus is like. He, he'd just done this amazing miracle. It's Jesus. He's got this crowd following him. And have you guys ever been to like an amazing church service? One that was so good and the music was pumping, you know, it was so good and you're worshiping and you felt God's presence so strong. And then you go home and you tell your friends or you tell your family or you tell other people about it that weren't there that day. And they're like, mm, that's great. Okay. But, and, and that's the response. You're, the response. You're like, it was so good. The presence of God was there so strong. We experienced so much. And they're like, good for you. And you're pumped up. And they're like, shut up. And you're like, you can't say that. And, and you're, they're just like, I'm not feeling it. I, I, I'm not feeling it. And, and that's what this scene was kind of like. Um, one crowd was entering the city. And it's like a party. It's a celebration. Jesus had just done this amazing miracle. Great things were happening. And the other cr- crowd coming out of the city was was sad and was just full of people who were mourning and they were headed to the cemetery with a dead child. Two conflicting, colliding groups of people. One crowd beautiful and the other crowd afflicted. And this is all at the town called Nain. And there may be people in this room today. Um, you're here and you're on the highest mountaintop. Like God's doing great things in your life. Life is good right now. But what you may not realize is that the person sitting next to you could be in the lowest valley of their life. And someone in in here, maybe you're in this here room and you just had the best Christmas ever. You had the greatest Christmas, but maybe there's other people in this room that you spent Christmas alone. Someone's, someone's in this room, like you, you're the most popular person in this room. Everybody goes to you. Everybody talks to you. Everybody loves you. And there may be someone else in this room that you wonder if anyone knows that you're alive. Someone will eat dinner tonight with their whole family and someone else wonders if they'll have a family to go home to. This, this is humanity. This is, this is Nain. And the Bible says that one crowd's headed to the city and the other crowd's headed to the cemetery and this collision takes place with Jesus and Jesus shows up right on time. He shows up and, and I don't, I, I want you to know this, that 
that God's never late. Rarely is he early. And some of you are like, God, really? Like, did you have to wait until the very last minute? It's like the 11th hour, like, God, come on, work with me here. Like, I'm sweating, I'm stressing it. And he's never early, but he's never too late. And, And you better believe today that you serve a God who shows up right on time when you need him most. Amen? So there's this collision taking place. And those of us in this room from Nain, we're we're tempted to think Jesus isn't going to show up. And why do we think that? Well, because we live in a world that promises us instant gratification. It promises us on time. We never fail to deliver. But I, I want you to encourage you, don't let the weakness of this world be the characteristics of your God. I'll say that again, never let the weakness of this world become the characteristics of your God. God doesn't operate like the world operates. That's not how he functions. That's not how he works. And so those of us living in name today, we all deal with that same issue. We all deal with it. We all think that the right time is right now. This better happen right now. I can't wait. I mean, you guys are impatient in this room. Like, you can't wait for anything. Yeah, your hand shot up real fast. Um, like, we want this to happen right now. God better show up right now. Maybe you're in this room today, and you're giving this one last shot. You're saying, you know what? God better show up today because I'm, this is the last shot. Or if he doesn't show up, I'm doing this my own way. Maybe that's you in the room today, but I want to encourage you today. I'm I'm pleading with you today to trust God, to trust him. The Bible says that Jesus and this crowd, they're about to enter the city with this other crowd that's leaving the city, and it's a funeral procession. And these people are sad, and they're down, and they're depressed. And there's a widow in that group, and the widow was the mother of the boy in the box, her one and only son, and they're taking him to the cemetery to bury him. I think sometimes if, if we're not careful, we can, as human beings, we can make other people our God. See, I, I love Kristen. She's pretty awesome. She sings well, she looks good, um, and, and she, well, we've been married for 14 years, and, and she's an amazing person. She loves Jesus. That's one of the first things that even attracted to me to her, but even before her beauty, was that I noticed that she loved Jesus. But let me tell you one thing about Kristen, is that she, she's a wonderful, great mother. She's a great mom, and, and, but Kristen makes a terrible God. Even on her best day, she doesn't even come close to being a God. If we aren't careful, we'll put other people as God-like status in our life and thinking and believing that somehow they will fulfill us. They will complete us. That Jerry Maguire guy was a liar. If you know what I'm talking about. But you complete me. Like the most beautiful movie scene ever. No? Okay, he was so full of it. But Kristen can't complete me. Only God can complete me. 
This woman, she was a widow, meaning her husband, he was already dead. He had already passed away. And imagine in that culture, thousands of years ago, it was difficult being a woman. It was tough. You may think it's tough today, but it was extra difficult being a woman without a husband. And her husband, would, he would have been her protector. He would have been her provider. <clears throat> and he passed away. And, and so in this day, the oldest son was the man who would take over if something happened to dad and and he would help the family he would help lead the family and so <clears throat> this woman's one and only son he passed away too her plan is all messed up now her plan is dead and and if you ever, you ever had those big dreams and those big plans and and then all of a sudden like it just all collapses in on you um like, how do you respond in that moment? You've got to have something deeper on the inside of you. you, you your trust, it's not in a plan. Your trust in, is, is in a man, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he's the only thing that won't fail you in your life. Your, your family will fail you. Your parents will fail you. Your friends will fail you. People will fail you. And, and at all times, your plans and your dreams may fail, but Jesus, he will never fail you. <clears throat> what this woman doesn't know is that her only son is about to meet God's only son. And you can imagine this woman sad, crying, her head's down, she's headed to bury her only son. Then here comes Jesus in the midst of this party, his celebration, and he sees her, and the Bible says that his heart goes out to her. And he, he looks at the woman and he says, don't cry. These two little words right here let us know that our God actually cares how you feel. He cares how we feel. Every one of your your feelings, every one of your needs, God actually cares about those things. I, I love this. I love that the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted, that he cares for us who are crushed in our spirit. And his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Another translation says this. It says that he had compassion on her. Now, I love that word compassion because it means this. It means a deep sense of sorrow followed by a deep desire to alleviate the suffering. Meaning this, that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't just sympathize with your pain. Jesus has compassion on your pain and on on your hurt. And what does that mean? (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> oftentimes you and I will, will see something and it, it'll make us feel something like, you know, the, the commercials with the little sad puppies in the arms of the angel, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, Oh, the, save the puppies. And we'll feel and we'll have this compassion on the puppies. And, and it may make us feel sad and we'll cry and we'll get emotional. But then all of a sudden, we just kind of take and we look at that moment and we turn the channel. <laughs> or we keep going through life. And sympathy and compassion are different because of one word, action. 
So Jesus says to the woman, he says, don't cry. And, and, and here's where I get confused by what takes place because notice this woman didn't, she didn't ask for Jesus' help. She didn't say, hey, will you help me? She, she was sad, her head was down and she was headed to a funeral to bury her only son. And so Jesus sees the woman and he goes straight to her without her even asking. What if I told you today that there's a God in heaven that loves you so much, a God who says, my love for you outweighs your faith in me. And even if life hits you hard and you're faithless, he still loves you. This is good news. Can we have our worship team, two-man worship team, come on up? Have you ever been at a place where the enemy, he's been attacking you so hard that you don't even have the strength to lift your hands? Like, I just, I just can't. I just can't worship. I just can't go on. Have you ever been so desperate <clears throat> that as you go to God in prayer, the words can't even come out? The Bible says in Psalms that before we even say, say the words, he knows what we're going to say completely. That right there should change your prayer life. It should change your prayer life altogether. Some of us spend too much time talking when we should spend more time listening and worshiping. So Jesus walks over to the dead boy and he says, get up. And the Bible says that everyone stopped. Everyone froze. And why is that? Because they were in shock. Jesus came to take what's dead in your life and give it new life. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. So imagine when Jesus told the dead boy to get up, uh, he immedi- I imagine this, that he immediately set up and he started praising the Lord. It, it kind of reminds me of, of what David said in Psalm 40. It says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit like he lifted me out of the mess of my life. Out of the mud and out of the mire, he lifted me out of the darkness of my life. And he set my feet on what? The rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He didn't place me on sand that will crumble. He placed me on a firm foundation. And that's him. That's Jesus. And he comes to me when I don't even have the words to speak. And his, his love for us outweighs our faith in him. He takes all of our mess of a life and he can form something beautiful out of it. Um, when I was a kid uh, growing up, um, there was a show on TV called Painting with Bob Ross. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I think we got a wonderful picture of Bob. Yeah, oh, there he is. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you're younger than me, and, and this is Bob. And you guys, most of you guys know who Bob is. Bob Ross is awesome. He had this great afro. Um, he, he was really good at painting. But Bob, what he would do is he would take this blank white canvas And he would begin to paint, and his voice was really soothing and really comforting, right? And and he would always start with this blank canvas, 
but he would end with a masterpiece. He would always be painting, and it it seemed like every time before the painting was done, out of nowhere, he would take his, his paintbrush, and he would put this big black smudge on the painting. And you're like, no, 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 Bob, 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 stop. What are you doing? You just messed up the painting. Bob, the painting was already really good. The cabin by the lake in the woods was awesome already. Bob, what are you doing? You just messed the whole thing up. And, and Bob's just sitting there and he was like, ah, oh, I'm going to put some happy little trees, right? Is there some happy trees? I'm going to do some happy trees over here. And then a few over here and some, just a little happy little tree. And he's painting. And, and at first you're like, Bob, you're ruining the painting. Bob, it it doesn't need trees. It it already looked great. But give it time. Bob was the master painting the masterpiece. So finally he would finish and finish the painting and it would just, it would turn out perfect. And it would turn out, you can take that. I'm, I'm feeling less and less spiritual as that's more and more on the screen. You can take that off. But he would finish, and and he was the master painting the masterpiece. That's like what God is to us. He's the master, and he's painting our masterpiece. Can I have everybody stand with me? See, following Jesus, it's, it's a whole lot like a Bob Ross painting. Weird illustration, I know. But hang with me. Often... You're uncertain at the beginning, but you're always satisfied at the end. Jesus shows up and and he takes those black smudges, those dark places, those places in your life where you've messed up, and he turns it into a masterpiece. See, the Bible says that the boy sets up and everyone is watching Jesus. And and he, why why is he touching this dead body? Why is he doing this? Who is this guy? He's unlike anyone we've ever seen. You could imagine this mother who, who's put her faith and her trust so many times into her, her late husband and her, into, into her boy, and it's all gone now. And she's looking at a man who has all power and all authority. I want you to see this. I love this. This is what the Bible says, and I think it's so amazing. It's Luke 7, 16, and and this is out of the message version. 16, it says, they they all realized they were in a place of holy mystery, that God was at work among them. And then I want you to hear this part, this phrasing right here. They were quietly worshipful and then noisily grateful calling out among themselves, God is back. Looking to the knees of his people. The news of Jesus spread all throughout the country. Maybe what you need to do today is contact a friend and you say, hey, you need to go to Crown Point Church. Yeah, the one on top of the hill with the fountain. Yeah, that one. You need to go there because God is back. Jesus is moving. There's this holy mystery that's taking place. You need to go there. And, and I love that part where it says they were quietly worshipful and then noisily grateful. Is that not how we worship our God? 
I mean, come on, somebody. There's, there's these moments when I feel like I just can't take another step, and I'm so discouraged. But God, I'm going to worship you anyways. And sometimes I can't even get my hands up. I can't get my voice to sing loud enough. But I'm standing here in name, and I know that you can show up and you can turn it all around. Then God shows up, and it goes from this quiet moment to, oh my goodness, God just showed up. He is good. He is great. He is awesome. He is wonderful. He is so good. How, how did I ever think anything less of him? How did I ever think that he wouldn't show up? He, he's unbelievable. He came and, and he, he saved me. He's awesome. And then I'm back in name. And I'm worried and I'm scared and I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills and I need a healing You may be in that situation right now, but you've got a God who never leaves you. He never forsakes you. But sometimes we just need to get noisily grateful. Is there anybody in here who has a reason to worship God? I I debated on whether or not to, to read this next part, but it's so good. I can't not. So um, still in Luke and, and move down to, to verses 18. Um, I love this part um, because John the Baptist sent some of his disciples to go. He had heard all about this. And, and so he sent some of his disciples um, to go to Jesus. And their question was this. Um, he, they said this, John the baptizer sent us to ask you, are you the one we've been expecting or are we still waiting? Like, are, are you the guy or do we need to wait some long? Because we're ready. Like, are you the guy or is it time? And, and, and are you the one we've been expecting or are we still waiting? I love this next part, verse 21. Here's Jesus' response. In the next two to three hours, Jesus healed many from diseases and distress and evil spirits. To many of them, he, the blind, and, and he gave the gift of sight. And then... Jesus gave his answer. Go back and tell John what you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretched of the earth have God's salvation's hospitality extended to them. And then he's like, is this what you were expecting? Well, then count yourselves fortunate. God is back. He's here. He's here. And, and maybe today you would describe your circumstance as one that's beautifully afflicted. And you're like, there's nothing beautiful about it. I'm just afflicted. I'm being attacked. And, and maybe today you're, you're, you're in that crowd coming from Nain. You're sad. You're down, discouraged. It's been a rough season. It's been a rough year. You're, you're lonely and you don't even feel like praying. You don't even feel like worshiping. Let me tell you this today. Not that he ever left, but God is back. He's here. He's here with us today and he is here to meet with you today. We're going to have an opportunity. Uh, we have some leaders, some of our um, board members, some, some different leaders 
that we usually have come and pray. If you guys would, would come and get ready um, to pray with some people, we just, I just want to have an opportunity this morning. If you need Jesus in your life, if you, maybe you're here today and, and you're, you're far from Jesus and, and you know what you said, you know, for New Year's, I'm going to go back in church, you know, like, kind of like, I'm going to be back in the gym and I'm going to work out. And I'm like, but today, like, you're back in church and you're going to give this one last try. You're going to give this one last shot. And you're going to give this one last chance. Um, yeah, you guys can go ahead and come down. Um, and that's you today. And, and you need Jesus back in your life. Today's your day. But maybe you're here today and, and you're like that. You're, you're beautifully afflicted, more afflicted than beautiful. Or you're beautiful and you're being, whatever. Your life's a mess. And you need Jesus today. You need him today. Would you not wait? Would you not set back? Would you not just, just hold back and say, I'll, I'll let someone else go. Uh, I'll talk to Pastor Dennis later. I'll shoot an email or I'll talk to someone else I know or I'll ask someone else to pray for me. Today is just as great as any to respond to the message of Jesus. God is back. He's here today and he's here to meet with you. As, as Kristen and Caleb sing, we're just going to have this opportunity where these, uh, our leaders are going to be down here in the front. And if you need to respond today, if it's either to respond to it.